sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. We are freeing the youth, freeing from truth. We are training the youth while constraining the truth. We are having more fun at the cost of your kind. We are enjoying our sons at the cost of your mind. We are making the world beautiful through sloth and pride. We are making the world to be greedy and blithe. See, the door is locked to Eden from the right. From the left, there's no door, so live and let die. Will it always be either both and or either or? Or will it never be both either or and both and? Will we forever forbid too much and live too little? Or will we forever live too much and forbid too little? Unless I have a dream that we should choose our enemies and remove the bounty from the person of the him, her, them, and even the you, y'all, to the me, us, already, then we will find there ourselves and the other two. Red men, blue men, all God's children will be born into Eden. Well, good morning. My name is Christian Roth. Coming to you from Velbu here. Um, we have a little bit of a corona risk in our family, so we are self-quarantining, but really glad to be here. That was a part of a poem that I wrote while I was in college, and um, it's kind of on our subject for today, which is what makes the gospel so unique and offensive? Um, like Conrad was saying, what, what makes Jesus the best? Today, we're going to be rehashing a little bit of, of what Conrad preached on last week. This vision that Peter had about eating unclean foods and then the inclusion of the Gentiles in the mission of God. So it raises the question, why look at this again? Does, why does the book of Acts repeat this story for us? Is, is there really more for us here? There's an English phrase that maybe you know. It's called when the pennies drop. Do you know what that means? It's it's in this idea calling to mind the old penny jukeboxes that people would play in diners. And you would put a penny in the jukebox, and maybe the penny would get stuck, and the music wouldn't play. So you'd kind of have to jiggle the jukebox or slap the side of the jukebox, and then the penny would drop if you hit it just right. And then the music would play. I'm hoping that you guys can see that the reason this is so important is because this question of what makes the gospel unique, this is what makes the pennies drop for many of us. And I'm hoping it makes the pennies drop for you. I wrote this poem that I shared with you guys when I was in college. And for me, it was a penny drop moment when I learned about the uniqueness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I went to college at Moody and I was in theology class really studying deeply what Paul had to say in Romans and Galatians about, about what is it about the gospel that is so special. But I thought to myself, well, this is just kind of more abstract theological Paul here. This isn't really what the whole New Testament is about. But as I started reading more, I saw that Jesus taught these things too, like in Luke 15, for example, where he himself is getting a similar feedback that Peter got when he was eating with sinners. And they're saying, why are you eating with sinners? And he tells the story of the prodigal sons. 
And then for me, studying this passage today, it's the first time I've seen in the book of Acts the uniqueness of the gospel message highlighted in this way. So I hope that the pennies will drop for us today as well, because we're going to see that the gospel of God's unrestricted love disarms us of our pride and it demands us of us all of our lives. The gospel of God's unrestricted love disarms us of our pride and demands of us all of our lives. Now, is that really true? Is the gospel really that unique? Is it really so unrestricted and different? And I hope to prove that to you today by exploring three ways that the gospel is unique. First of all, the gospel we see in this passage is multi-ethnic. Multi-ethnic. Secondly, we see the gospel as unstoppable. And thirdly, we see the gospel is global. Simple enough, three points, multi-ethnic, unstoppable, and global. Let's start by talking about how the gospel of God's unrestricted love is multi-ethnic. It's multi-ethnic. You see, God's love in Jesus is not limited to any one culture or ethnicity. And we see this, of course, in this passage in verse 9, where, where God says to Peter, what God has called clean, do not call unclean. And in the narrative of the passage, of course, after Peter has this vision in verse 10, he goes to Cornelius, and it, it sort of dawns on him that this isn't just about food. This is about people. This is about human cultures. This is about the mission of God going to the Gentiles. And maybe you think diversity is a good thing, and, and that goes without saying. We live in a culture that loves to talk about diversity and but that hasn't always been something that we can take for granted. I would say that it's because we're influenced by Jesus that we, we have that understanding. But, but also, we have in us an innate tendency toward thinking that our culture and our views are the best. Why is that? Why is that? Um, and I would say it's because the default setting of the human heart is to try to prove and justify ourselves and our own worth. And, and when we do that, it tends to lead to this ethnocentrism, focusing on our own culture as the best. I think when we wake up in the morning, very often we are either guilty because we slept in too late because we're a, a B, a B menska, a B person, like they say in Denmark. You're kind of a, a not a morning person. So you're kind of like, oh, man. Or you're one of those people that wakes up early in the morning, you're an A person, and you've got your list out, and you've got your things to do. But both of these things, both the guilt and not, not getting up and early bird gets the worm, or making those lists and trying to get, 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 these are all efforts to try to achieve and prove and advance. In other words, we live in pride as human beings. In our hearts, there is this inevitable tendency to want to justify ourselves, to, to prove that we are good enough by our works. And what happens here is that this leads to, over time, different strategies for proving that we're okay, that we're enough, that we have achieved enough. And inevitably, we, we have experiences with other cultures or even types of people that make us stereotype them as a way of building up our own resume. 
as a way of reminding ourselves, well, hey, at least I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm one step above that in the rung of society. Let's say we have a bad experience with a person of a white skin like me. Um, then we're going to kind of maybe not rationally, but in our subconscious, we kind of say, well, I'm glad I'm not a majority culture white person like that. Or let's say we have a bad experience with a female. Then we say, well, I'm glad I'm not like those females and I'm et cetera, et cetera. But the gospel of God's unrestricted love disarms us of this pride because we see in the scriptures that all human cultures actually need grace. We are all corrupt. And I want to give you an example of this here in Denmark. Um, there are some things about Danish culture that align with the Bible. And there are some things that are very much corrupt. Um, every culture is touched by this corruption. So, for example, in Denmark, sexual liberation and sexual ethics are very, I would say, very unbiblical. Um, there's very much a, an embracing of, of pornography and adultery and these sorts of things. But on the other hand, human rights in Denmark are very high. And I would say that comes from the view of the Bible that says that we are all made in God's image. On the other hand, you think maybe of some countries in the Middle East where their views of, of human rights don't tend to be very strong. It's a very kind of power-oriented culture and lots of women and, and, and other people are, are mistreated. But their view on sexual ethics, that sex is for marriage, even though it's not applied very well, but that view is, is, is true and in accord with, with, with the scriptures that, that sex is for marriage. So every culture, it's easy to say like, oh, those Danes get it or they don't get it. But it's, it's not as simple as that. We're all touched and affected. You see, the gospel says this. You can't justify yourself, not your culture, not your family background, not anything. We need Jesus. We are all corrupt. We are all touched by sin. There is no distinction. Jesus is the only one who has ever lived perfectly. And it is only when his righteousness is given to us as a gift that we can be forgiven and free before God. And, and, and maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. Praise the Lord that you're tuning in today. And I would just say, like, Jesus is better than everything. He is, the gospel of Christ is unique. And I would encourage you today to, to think about it and come to Jesus. Ask him for forgiveness. Because if you do, he will forgive you. And you can start a life following him. You see, religion, all the religions of the world, but particularly in this passage today, we see the old Jewish kind of misunderstanding coming up here. It's this idea of us versus them. These ritual foods that we eat kind of create a line between us and them. We're the ones who are good. They're the ones who are bad. But the gospel says it's not us versus them. It's all of us saved by him, saved by Jesus. So I want to encourage you now to imitate God in this. Love the other, whether that be minority people who are from a different culture that you are, which we have a lot of in this church, or or maybe it's the Danish majority here that we live in. 
And I think as an international believing community here at FIBC, we have a, a unique perspective into Danish society become, because we come from families and traditions that are very strong in, in, in Bible belief. And maybe we look and it might be easy to look into the Scandinavian culture and and to see the atheism of, of, of Denmark and, and say like, OK, that's it's such a long shot. I can't do anything there. They're just they're just. And I think, honestly, I've been it's been challenging for us to to penetrate through, even though I'm Swedish myself. But God is calling us in this passage into across to go across these cultural barriers and to say the, the gospel is multi-ethnic. And we have as a responsibility as a minority community here to challenge the majority culture and to reach them with the gospel, to share the good news with these tough, cynical Danes. Right. So that's my application there. First of all, the gospel is multi-ethnic. Secondly, the gospel is unstoppable. Unstoppable. God's love seeks to find us even when we resist it. God's love is unstoppable. The gospel is unstoppable. In verse 17, we see Peter sort of wrestling with what has happened to him. He says, if God gave them the same gift he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I? And I think we see what's happening here is that Peter himself is struggling with this dynamic of, where does my Jewish heritage go from here? And he's wanting to kind of appease the, the circumcision party in Jerusalem. He's kind of, he himself, and he has religion and self-justification deep in his heart. We all do. Even as Christians, we may be saved by grace, but we continue to struggle daily to remember. We wake up in the morning, like I said, and we want to justify ourselves. But the gospel says we are free. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And every day we have to shake off this tendency to want to prove ourselves. But what do I mean by this unstoppable love of God? What do I mean by that? You see, the Jews here in Jerusalem, they resisted Jesus' scandalous grace, didn't didn't they? And like I said, Peter himself, I think, is resisting a little bit in this passage. And the reason I think that is because... As we go on in, in the book of Acts, a few verse, a few chapters later, in chapter 15, we see this same issue of where do the Jewish laws go coming up again in the Jerusalem Council. And actually, specifically, we're told by God in, Gal- in Galatians 2 through Paul that he had to challenge Peter. Because in this passage, Peter is eating. He's having fellowship, right? That's actually what this passage highlights. It doesn't highlight the actual eating of the food. It says you're eating with them. You're having fellowship with these un, un, you know, unbeliev- unbelievers or, or the the Hellenists, uh, the, the Greeks in this time. Um, and and in Galatians 2, Paul says he actually had to confront Peter probably later because he himself, when some other of the circumcision party came to him, he he, he didn't want to eat with with the Greeks anymore. He said, OK, I'm going to I'm going to give in to their pressure. So Peter himself is struggling. He's resisting. But you see, God, the gospel of God's unrestricted love, it disarms us of this pride and it demands of us all our lives. It will not. God will not be satisfied to let us retreat into our comfortable little cliques. So God is calling an army of humble, laser focused believers into mission because it is an unstoppable mission. God's grace will not be stopped. It is irresistible is another way of saying it. God's grace is irresistible. 
It is a one-way waterfall of love from the throne of God. I don't know if you've ever tried to stop a waterfall when you're standing beneath it, but that is a futile effort. And let me ask you, have you ever felt like something was irresistible, unstoppable, like you couldn't stop yourself from doing it? I mentioned to some of you here at the church that I went with my son Jeremiah to a zipline park for his birthday last week, and we kind of spent the day with the little kids on the on the low zip lines, getting used to it a few hours, kind of, it was very hard at first, but, and then I took Jeremiah up one step, just him and I, one step higher. And at the end, the zip line park manager said to me, hey, if you want some extra time, dad, you can just go up to the next level. I'm like, and in that moment, I was really enjoying the experience and I, I didn't think much about it, but it was just kind of a irresistible, yes, I will. And he's like, well, the next level higher is broken, but you can go two levels higher. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. And I just went. And by the way, it was very, very scary. I, I don't think I would do it again. <laughs> but it was an irresistible. And God, that's what the gospel is as well. God's mission to save a, a people for himself from all ethnicities, from all nations, we're going to talk about more, is irresistible. It will not be stopped. But sometimes we don't feel that way, do we? Sometimes we don't feel that way. So my prayer for us today as FIBC is that that God would overwhelm us again, waterfall us, mesmerize us with his call to all classes of people, all races of people, all nations of people. And would you pray today that he would do that in your heart? Would you pray that with me? In fact, let's, let's, why don't you just close your eyes right now. Let's just all pray a short prayer, just meditating on this. God, we want to join you in your mission. Please make it irresistible for us. Make it more valuable than anything else that we do because we see that it is eternal and it is for your glory. Good, you can open your eyes. So first of all, it's multi-ethnic. Second of all, it's unstoppable. And thirdly, the gospel is global. The gospel is global. God's love is designed for people of every nation. God's love is designed for people of every nation. And I get this in our passage, kind of as a linchpin in the book of Acts, not specifically in our passage, but if you look back to the passage Conrad preached last week, verses 34 and 35, Peter says something. He, he It says, Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So this is about his interaction with Cornelius, this first, this one of the first Gentile, true Gentile believers. And then right after our passage, we have the, the book, the, the church in Antioch becoming a missionary sending base. And Pastor Eric will preach about that next time to the nations. And this verse in, in chapter 10, I'm not going to get too much into it, but some people take this to mean that anyone can be saved from any nation, no matter what, if, they, if they're good people. I think if you know the New Testament, you know the theology of the New Testament, you know that's not really what it means. So what does it mean? I think what it's saying is that God is preparing people from every nation. And Peter realizes this when he interacts with Cornelius. He says he sees that God is at work. God is going ahead of us, and he's preparing people from every nation to know and worship him and to create a people for himself. And this is such an encouraging, encouraging thing. And we see the fulfillment of this in the church of, in Antioch in, in chapter 11, 2021. It says, there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, again, also preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hand of the Lord was on them, 
and a great number who believe turn to the Lord. See, Luke is painting a picture for us here in chapters, chapter 11 of a, a linchpin, a turning point in the fulfillment of what was Jesus' desire all along. The, the, the making disciples of all nations, Jesus said. And for some of you who are familiar with, with missiology, which is just a big word for what people like me study, um, there's this concept of unreached people groups, unreached people groups, because there are many people in the world who, who don't have an access to the gospel, an access to the gospel. And even beyond that, there's unreached and unengaged people groups, which are people groups, nations that don't have anyone on the ground trying to reach them. So, for example, the, the Danes in Denmark are considered a unreached people group because there's such a small population of Christians here that they, we can't reach, can't repopulate the, the ministry and the witness. And actually, interestingly enough, Danes in Sweden are considered an unreached and unengaged people group because there's no one trying to reach them. There's like 50,000 of them. So. Um, but what, what, what this shows us is that the gospel is global. There is no geographical center or boundary to the gospel. Every other religion of the world started somewhere and then it stayed there and grew and it has its impact. For example, Hinduism in northern India, it started there and then it grew and now its center is there. Um, Islam started in the Middle East and now it's grown there and its impact is there. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ started in Israel and then its impact grew and moved right across Europe. And then eventually over to uh, America and maybe for a while, it depends on who you ask, but its center was maybe in America. But now the center of Christianity is is no by no means the West. The center of Christianity is places like Africa and the underground church in China and the global developing world. The center of Christianity is not geographic in nature because it is God's message, because it is unique, because it is global, because it is unlike any other message in the world. It it moves with the power of the Spirit and the growth of the church. The cross and the gospel occasioned a dramatic shift in re from reaching the nations through these laws that Peter was wrestling with, basically by attraction, to reaching by mission. By reaching from going from pull people in to pushing God's people out. Going from a gravitational force into an expansive force out from an inward focus on the people of God to an outward focus on reaching people for God. And when the thing is, when we try to relate to God simply through the law, like Peter was wrestling with and like he continues to wrestle with, then we can manage our relationship with God, can't we? When we say, God, if I obey these certain rules, then I expect this certain reward. Then we can manage our relationship with God. But when we realize that God's love is, is limitless, it's unconditional, it's while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that demands of us a, a, a loyalty. It demands of us our entire lives. There's this concept in, in movies. My wife and I are watching this show on DR right now called Sanditon. Um, and there's this guy in the movie who has to take care of this girl, and, and, and the reason he has to take care of her is because he promised her father that he would take care of her. And her father, it turns out, has saved his life. So because his, her father saved his life, 
he feels like he owes him, him taking care of his daughter. There's just this, you know, you saved my life. Now I owe you my life. When someone gives us everything in that way, we owe them everything. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel of God's unrestricted love disarms us of our pride and it demands of us not just some of our lives that we can manage, but all of our lives. And God is calling us into that mission, into the global mission. You see, because the nations, the global impact of the gospel, they are here in Copenhagen. Copenhagen was the number one tourist city of 2019. There are enough residences to hold the number of people that want to come here and live, right? And could it be that we here at FIBC, we could become a hub of fulfillment of the global call of the gospel? Because God has brought the nations here. And Pastor Eric and I have spoken before about the unique challenges of international ministry because people come and go. But what if we can catch a vision for what God is doing in Copenhagen and see this as an opportunity? What if FIBC Copenhagen can become a sending base for the nations? There's two or three great families leaving FIBC here before in the summer. What if we're not saying goodbye? We're, we're sending them. We're launching them into what God is going to use them for in their countries. We're spending a lot of time right now talking about restrictions from the coronavirus. So it's a good time to remember the unrestricted love of God. God's love is not restricted by anything, not restricted by our own works, our own wills, uh, cultural boundaries, national borders. God's love is unrestricted and it disarms us of our pride and demands of us our whole lives. I've been to northern I India once and I met a Christian there named Manoj and he's leading a church planting network, but he didn't always believe the gospel. He was a Hindu priest for a long time and he comes from the Dalit class. It's the untouchable class in India. And the thing about the way the class system works in India is that the ones that are considered kind of like God at the very top, the Brahmin, there's very few of them, right? Because they demand a lot of resources. But the ones at the very bottom, the untouchables, there's literally millions and millions and millions of these people. So Manoj, he has this impact because he was a Hindu priest in the Dalit class. Now he can reach all these people for, for Christ. He can, he can change, and he is. They're seeing hundreds and hundreds of small groups and baptisms. And, and the gospel is not restricted by our concepts of cleanliness from a human perspective. The untouchables for the Lord, they are touchable. They are loved. They are known. So I want to close now, considering these things that we've done, with a prayer. And I'm going to ask you specifically to pray again about someone that you have, that God has put on your heart. One individual person in your class, in your work, in your family, that maybe is a little bit difficult to reach because they're across an ethnic boundary or a national boundary. But maybe God has put them on your heart today to, to share the gospel with them, to draw near to them, to show them that, that Jesus, he is different. And the gospel is unique. It's not just something we made up. It is the best message that will change their life. So let's close in prayer. And as I close us in prayer, I'm going to pray for one individual. And I'd ask you in your mind to think about one person that God might be calling you to, to cross a boundary and to share with them the love of Jesus and the gospel. 
Lord, we thank you for the book of Acts and Peter and just the, the powerful breaking loose of your kingdom and the Great Commission. And right now I want to pray for just I'm standing in my neighborhood now, so I'm just thinking of my neighbors now, people in this neighborhood that you have put us in contact with. Give us the opportunities to share with them, to love them. Maybe some of them are listening in right now. I don't know. But I pray that we would have the opportunity, Stephanie and I, to cross a boundary that normally our human desire to justify ourselves puts up, that we would reach out in your name, I pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts, or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.